0: Thank you, thank you guys, it's nice to have a full stage again, that's the first time in a long time. Uh, welcome everybody, good morning, um, thank you for being here, thank you for worshiping with us, thank you for everybody that's online. Uh, if you're a guest with us, my name's Tim, I'm the pastor here at CF. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 146, Psalm 146, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in a seat back around you. Um, if you have trouble finding Psalms, you just kind of go to the middle, just flop it open, it's the biggest book in there. And then you're going to 146. As you're turning there, I do have some announcements for you. Um, So we have our Tuesday prayer group that has been going strong. Tuesday, 6.30, online on Zoom. Ty has been leading us through times of prayer and scripture. uh, And then making uh, videos for us on Fridays. He just wrapped up James. So uh, looking for some ideas on what we could do next. But those have been going out Friday uh, afternoon-ish. So Tuesday nights at 6.30 and then Fridays in the afternoon. uh, We have lots of different resources trying to help uh, with getting us kind of refocused, reconnected with not only one another, but more importantly, with God. And then we're also in the midst of our uh, Make Your Mark, uh, spending on the last 90 days of 2020 in prayer. We're over a third of the way through this, um, and where we're just committing. All it is is we're committing to daily pray for our church, our neighborhood, our city, our nation, and our world. Um, this doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be uh, nobody i 'm taking you know, i 'm not taking tallies i 'm not figuring out who 's doing it and who 's not, but this is a way for us to kind of reconnect with God and, and just focus our the rest of this year on him um, and so we have reminder cards in the back if you haven 't grabbed one, you can grab one of those. Uh, I have reminders on my phone that has been super helpful to have alarms go off uh, to remind me to get to do it because i don 't always remember to do it. Um, if in this time, in this, like I said, we're a third of the way through, if God has been teaching you something, if God has been sharing something with you, if you've seen answers to prayer through this, I'd love to hear those stories so we can share them with the church. So um, as God is doing what God does as we offer up our prayers, be paying attention, uh, and please bring those stories back because we'd love to, to hear those. So uh, we have our 90 days of prayer going on. Um, we have a members meeting coming up next week. If you are a member of CF After Church, we're going to have a members meeting um, here in this room. If for whatever reason, if you cannot be here physically, we will have a Zoom link set up so that uh, those who are members who need to do it distantly distantly, distantly can do it uh, via Zoom. Um, everybody's welcome to stay. It's not like hidden agendas or anything like that, but it is specifically for members. Members, it is the expectation that you're going to be there. Um, so that is next Sunday after church. Uh, and then something that we are working on now, Advent is three weeks away, which means Christmas is like Seven? Eight weeks? Pretty awesome. Um, of Advent is in three weeks. And Advent, we'll talk more about that as we get closer, but Advent is about waiting. It's the waiting that the Old Testament that the Israelites did as they waited for their Messiah in the same way we wait now for Christ to return. It's a, about waiting. It's about hope. It's about longing for something else. It's about newness. And so one of the things we're going to do um, is put together uh, what I'd like people to do, everybody can get involved in this, is to make... A picture of a sunrise. Whatever artistic talent you might have, I am legitimately going to finger paint this. Um, And if you got kids, get the kids involved. Uh, We're going to make pictures of a sunrise because that is that that reminder of hope and newness and a new day, a fresh start, a new something to long for. So uh, if you have any kind of talent at all, even if you don't, that's okay. Um, Picture of a sunrise, nothing big, nothing fancy. Uh, And we're going to display them in the back. Um, If you're not super proud of it, like mine, I'm not going to put my name on it, but it'll go up there. Um, And so it's just a way for us to connect and be creative and use a different creative part of our brain. So uh, be working on that, and uh, if you would want to, you can bring that in on a Sunday and drop it off, and we will have those up displayed in the back as we celebrate and remember that uh, God is good all the time. And then the last announcement, community groups. Community groups are the place where all of the things we love, all the things that we cherish, all the things that we're about as a church come together uh, and slam into each other in community groups. It is about prayer and study and uh, intentional community, multi-generational relationships, all of those good things happen in community groups. They are alive and happening. If you haven't jumped into one yet, you still have time because they're still happening, and we'd love for you to jump in. All of our groups are studying, walking through the book Knowing God by J.I. Packer. If you don't own that book, we have extra copies. We'd love to put one in your hands so you can jump in. Uh, we have a group on Monday nights that's ladies only for, at 6.45. We have a group on Wednesdays uh, online at 7.30. We have a group on Thursdays at 7 o'clock here in the church and then Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Um, so we'd love to get you connected and plugged into one of those. If you are interested at all in jumping into one of those, um, you can email Uh, PastorTimCF at gmail.com. You can text right now. You can text 312-767-7307, or you can sign up uh, on the back. There's a sign-up sheet in the back table. You can do that as well, and we will get you connected and plugged into a leader. So um, please make sure you do that. Please jump in and connect with us. We'd love to. It's a great way to build relationships uh, and just spend some time with people together. Um, When we do them in person, it's in the cafe. It is socially distant. It's masks. Uh, and then online, obviously, is online. So you're safe there, too. Um, yeah, so that is it for the announcements. And uh, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to go to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. And as you're getting yourself readjusted there, um, I got a couple of thank yous I want to give out. Thank you, for, number one, is to uh, Kelly Hawk and Amy Jacklone for putting together our Grace Place kits. The, um, we have put together, they have, we, they. Uh, have put together, um, it's a nine-week study looking at the fruit of the spirit for families with small children. So if you have a small child or you know somebody has a small child that would benefit from that, we have some extra copies. Uh, But it's been uh, just a weekly study that parents can take home with all kinds of different um, things to memorize and activities and ways to just connect with our kids and and teach the kids um, about the spirit, the fruit of the spirit that God is cultivating in us. And so if you are interested in getting a copy of that, we have some we can put those into your hands. But I just wanted to thank Kelly and Amy for doing a lot of work on that. And then also, um, uh, hopefully you saw it as you came in, but we uh, we got tagged on our wall um, by the nicest graffiti artist you'd ever meet. Um, her name's Heather Collins, and she does a lot of work in our neighborhood. She's an artist in our neighborhood who does a lot of um, work on basically any business up and down Roscoe that like looks cool and pretty um, and has paint on it. It was probably Heather. Uh, any of the chalk murals you see in the neighborhood, that's Heather. Uh, she does not attend our church, um, found us online, and just offered to uh, help beautify our building. And so she's also working on a couple other projects for us. Um, But I just wanted to say thank you to her because I love it. I think it's awesome. And I I drive down, when I drive down Damon and I turn on to Newport, I keep getting reminded, like I forget about it for a second. I see it and I get real excited again. So um, if you didn't check it out, it's out on the wall right here. Please go do that. Um, All right. So Psalm 146 is where we're going to be. This morning, we picked Psalm 146 because it has been a long week. It has been a long few weeks. It has been a long month. And let's be honest, a very, very long year. There have been many highs and lows. We have been up and down and all over the place for sure. And sometimes this year I have felt like it's kind of like driving on Lower Wacker Drive, if you've ever done that. It is disorienting. It is confusing. It is confusing. And you just get lost. No matter how many times I go down there, I get lost every time. You lose your sense. You have no GPS. You have no phone signal down there. And you just get turned around. And generally, it's like I know kind of where I'm supposed to go. But you make a left and a right. And then there's splitting lanes. And almost every time I have to drive down there, at some point, i got to pull out. And i got to get into some sunshine and fresh light and figure out where it is that I am and where it is that I want to be going. And that's how this year has felt. That's what I want for us today, is to get into the light, especially in light of the election, and there are some who might feel excited, some who might feel a little lost. I want to try and bring us all to a place of kind of recalibrating ourselves. Excuse me. I kind of want to bring us to a place where we're recalibrating what we're looking at to help us. What is it that we're expecting to save us? What are we expecting to guide us? And one of the best ways to recalibrate yourself, when you get lost in life, when you get so turned around and confused, and you say, I know I'm t- generally, I'm supposed to be going towards God, but I'm, I'm just feeling lost and kind of disoriented, is to stop and slow down and spend some time in worship. To put into perspective who God is and who we are and what it is that we claim to believe. And so that's our plan for this this morning, that we would be able to, regardless of how you came in this morning and regardless of what you're walking out into when you leave here, that right now in this day, today in these next few minutes, we can realign ourselves, recalibrate ourselves, and spend some time praising God. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then we are going to jump in to Psalm 146. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good, and you're good all the time. Lord, we thank you for the sunshine and this delightful weather that we have. Uh, this refreshing breeze and warmth. Um, God, I pray for um, our church, for CF. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of keeping us in this place, for this building, for the repairs that have been done over the last year and a half, for the all the work that has been done for generations to this building to keep it up and running, for the people who have served and loved this place. Lord, I pray for us now that we would continue on to be a light to the world, that we would continue on being being a place that proclaims the goodness and the gospel, that proclaims that we trust in you, that we trust in the Bible, and that we hold fast to you. God, help us to be that light you have made us to be. Help us to, even within these walls, even within our own community, to seek unity with amongst ourselves, to be encouraging one another and building one another up, to not hurt each other, to not run and hide from one another when conflict does arise, but that we would be a people who deal with those things and strengthen our relationships rather than let them fail. Lord, I pray for Roscoe Village. I pray for our neighbors who don't know you, our neighbors who at times are lost, who are struggling with all kinds of different things. Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunities to step in and love them well, to serve this community well, to care for this place well. Lord, we pray for those who have been affected by business shutdowns and the restaurants and especially in Roscoe Village who have been who have been affected by these business shutdowns and because of the virus. Lord, we pray for, um, God, we pray that you would move, that you would find ways to care for them and protect them through these things. Lord, for the different business owners who have put so much of themselves and their um, financi- finances into these things. Lord, we pray that they would be able to thrive throughout this, that our neighborhood would be able to rally around them and care for them. Lord, we pray for our neighbors who are suffering. They they would find their hope in you, that they would find their rest in you. Lord, we pray for our city and we pray for unity amongst our city, amongst our nation, Lord. As we are in a time of transition with leaders and leadership, as we spend time this week casting our ballots and using our voice, Lord, we pray for unity. Now that those things are done, we pray that we might be able to move forward and see some healing and see some some hope and some growth. Lord, we pray, God, I pray that there would be a return to conversation, a return to dialogue, and being able to connect with people, even ones who don't believe or think the same thing that we do, that we would be able to connect and just have conversations, that there wouldn't be so much tension and anger. But we would be reminded that everyone wants what is best for Chicago. Everyone wants what is best for this country. And while different people might take different paths to get there, they're not malicious. They're not trying to hurt. They're trying to do what they think is best. Or that's what we're trying to do with our lives is what we think is best. But we as Christians know that we have guidance in your scripture. We have the ability to lean in and know you deeper and more so that we can be more in line with your will, which is best. Lord, we pray for There to be peace amongst our city, peace amongst our nation and within our world. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are stepping into places that don't know you, stepping into places that don't have a Bible in their own native tongue and are bringing the gospel, bringing good news, doing the work to bring light to these places. Lord, we pray for protection and comfort and boldness for them. God, as we open your word today, you have us in this passage for a reason. You have a message for us this morning. God, I pray that nothing comes from my lips that isn't from you. Lord, as I preach, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray all these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. So if you read the book of Psalms, they're often grouped. Scholars have gone back and looked, and there's themes that kind of connect certain Psalms, and Um, this right here, Psalm 146, is through the rest of the book, the next five, the next four uh, psalms, the final five are all grouped together as psalms of praise. It's actually in Jewish tradition these final five psalms would all be read together at morning prayer gatherings. The psalms as a whole, as this book is really a window into the human experience. It is full of joy and heartache, confusion and assurance, questioning, and questioning and trusting in God. It reveals the highs and the lows of the human condition. And if you read through the Psalms and you get through all of that, the ups and downs, even within the same Psalm, where there are times where David says, God, where are you? And then a few verses later, he says, God, I'm resting in your presence. You get through all the ups and downs of all of that, we get to the end of the book, and these final five all revolve around and call the people of God to praise him. Each of these psalms begins and ends with the phrase, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Halal, praise, Yan is a shorthand for Lord. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, praise the Lord gets translated hallelujah. It's a compound word. It takes those two, halal and yan and puts them together to be hallelujah. It's a church word that has crossed over into mainstream and in doing that kind of lost some of its sacredness, I think. Lost my keys. Oh, I found my keys. Hallelujah. It's the first day. It's nice weather. It's not cold and rainy. Hallelujah. The bears made a first down. Hallelujah. We use it as this way of showing like relief and gladness, but it is so much more than that. Because it's a word that literally means praise the Lord. It's important and it's sacred. And it's not supposed to be used trivially or casually. It's a word of worship and adoration. He begins the psalm and says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. When something is repeated in the Bible, that means it's important. And when something is repeated in close proximity to itself, it means it's really, really important. It's an emphasis that should not be overlooked. For the psalmist, the praising of God is of the highest priority, importance, and value. And the first time he says it, it's a declaration to all who would hear, to all who would read, that they should praise the Lord. But the second time he says it, he's preaching that and singing that to himself. Praise the Lord, O my soul. He's telling himself, you need to praise God because, you know, praising God doesn't, always come automatically, even for the followers of God. So you don't have to tell your eyes to blink, your, to, your lungs to fill with air, your heart to pump, pump blood, but the praising of God, the worship of God, is an intentional choice you have to make for yourself. Nobody can worship for you. You do that on your own. You choose to do that. You decide that for yourself. And sometimes, life gets so hard and overwhelming, that we need to tell ourselves, we need to remind ourselves to choose to worship God because sometimes it's easier just not to. It's easier to just shut it down and be overwhelmed and not fight back and disconnect and numb ourselves to the pain. Praising God is not always the natural reaction in every situation, which means then that we cannot just mindlessly wander for a moment to moment, because if we do that, if we do just shut down our brains and our hearts, we will inevitably shut down our worship of God. Praising God, worship of God. that's not just what we do here Sundays at 10:30. It's not just when we are led in song by Daniel and the worship team. No, it's living. It's living our lives. That's what worship to God looks like. That's what the psalmist says in verse 2. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. While I am I, while I exist, while my life has, bod- has my, my body has life in it, I will praise the Lord. That's a strong and mighty declaration. And notice there's no caveats there. There's no except for whens. It's not, I will praise the Lord except for when things don't go my way except for when I'm broke, except for when I lose my job, except for when my team, athletic or political, doesn't win. No, to declare, as long as I am living, while I have my being, I will praise the Lord, means regardless of whether it's the sun-shining, mountaintop moments, or the valleys that are dark and disconnected, the circumstances won't dictate my objective, which is to praise the Lord. Which then leads us into verse 3, which might seem like a detour. It might seem like a disconnected point, but it's actually not. Because the point of the psalm is to direct us to praise the Lord. That's what he opens and closes with. And here the psalmist shows us what distractions to that objective we may often face. He says in verse 3, Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. <clears throat> if we were across the pond, I'd say your hope shouldn't be in Prince William or Prince Charles, right? The royal family can't save you. I mean, they can't save you there. They can't save you. I mean, it still plays here, but we don't have royalty. But we do have mayors and governors and senators and congressmen and congresswomen and presidents And let's be honest, it's America, so we also have athletes and actors and musicians and something called the social media influencer, which I'm not sure what that is, but apparently they do things. See, we have no shortage of men and women who we decide to place place atop the pedestals of our hearts and allow them to influence, direct, and lead us. And even within church culture, we take pastors and worship leaders and we make them into celebrities and we hold them up as these famed important people. And then over and over and over and over and over again in every area of society we watch moral and ethical failures from these people who we have held up to be the chosen one. And for some reason we are continuously shocked and appalled never learning from history, never learning from scripture that there is no salvation, there is no hope, there is no, there is no hope wrapped up in this world and the people of this world. Whether it's a person or a political party, or an ideology, time and death, remove all of them, and their plans fade away. Everything about this world is temporary. Everything about this world is decaying. Nothing and no one will last. Put not your trust in princes, in presidents, popularity, patriarchy, Paramours, promotions, paydays, psychology, philosophy, pensions, politics, or anything that claims to be permanent because the truth is they are all perpetually passing away. Trusting in, putting our hope and faith in the things of this world is not only setting yourself up for failure when they fail, but it is a distraction and hindrance to putting your hope and praise in God because you can't do both. You either trust God or you don't. In a year that feels backwards and upside down, our longing for something to cling to, our longing for something stable, for something of substance has revealed itself over and over again. And that substance, that stability, that reliability, that hope is found in God alone. And that's what he says in verse 5. Blessed is he who whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God. Blessed is the one whose help is the God of Jacob. That word blessed, in some of your translations, if you don't have the ESV, it might say happy or joyful. It's a distinct spiritual joy being found in the one whose help is the God of Jacob. Jacob was a lying, scheming con artist. He stole his brother's birthright. He was a mess of a person. And one night he finds himself literally wrestling with the spirit of God. They are literally just going toe to toe throwing haymakers. And by the morning, he finds himself with his hip dislocated. And he is clinging on to God. Saying, don't leave me until I am blessed by you. Don't let me go another minute walking without you. I need you. He humbled, he finally humbled himself and cries out to God. And every day, with every literal limping step, he was reminded, stay humble, Jacob. Because God did bless him. Because Jacob would eventually become Israel. And through him and his descendants, God fulfilled the covenant to Abraham of making a people, a nation. And from that people, from that nation, the line of promise was continued on so that the Messiah, Jesus, would be born, the Savior of the world. See, the God of Jacob is the God who can take anyone and transform them and use them for his glory. The God of Jacob is the God who reminds us there is no one too broken, too sinful, too lost, to be loved, to receive mercy and grace, and to be used by God. Blessed is the person who finds their help in that God. Blessed is the person whose hope is in that God. Whose assurance of their future is grounded in the past where they have seen God move. And that affects their present. They can trust and rely on God because they've seen him over the course of all of creation be faithful and just and trustworthy. And so we can move forward in the present and know that the promises he has made about the future are true and reliable. Blessed is the one who is there before the beginning. The one who trusts in the one who is there before the beginning. The one who began the beginning because that's what God did. He created time. He created space. So he is outside of those things. He is not subject to those things. He created something from nothing. He spoke and all of existence was formed. And he is still creating, still shaping and cultivating. Verse 6 says he created the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that are in them. That's a Hebrew idiom for he created everything, everything, everything. He created all of it. All of the known and still unknown existence was created by God. He speaks and there is an active response in existence. He is outside of this realm. He is outside of our existence and complete understanding. He is outside and beyond time, matter, and space. These things do not limit him. He is limitless. He exists in an entirely different plane of existence from us. He is untethered. And though he is massive and glorious and powerful, he makes himself knowable. He has chosen to reveal to us so that he isn't just a cosmic force, He isn't just this vague spirit or this distant deity, but rather our hope is in a relational involved God who calls us through his creation, through his word, through his people. He calls us and says, come know me better. Come know me deeper. And as you get to know him, as you get to learn and engage in a relationship with him, you find that he is the keeper of truth forever. He is faithful and true True to his promises, true to his word, true to his nature and character, and true to us. He is reliable and dependable, stable, constant, and consistent. We as humans are fickle. We fail. We change our minds. We change our thoughts and feelings based on the situation and moment we find ourselves in. We can be unpredictable and unreliable. God is not any of those things. God is who he says he is. Always, I got some verses that you can look up later on. Because God says He is sovereign in Isaiah forty five seven, He says He's holy in First Samuel two two, He is righteous in Psalm eleven seven, He is love in First John four seven, He is eternal in Revelation twenty two thirteen, He is omniscient in Mark thirteen thirty two, Omnipo- omnipotent. In Psalm 147.5, omnipresent in Deuteronomy 31.6, immutable in Hebrews 13.8, gracious in Exodus 34.6, just in 1 John 1.9, and good in 1 Chronicles 16.34. That's who our God is. And we who are in Christ, we find our hope in him and have no need to fear or worry what kind of mood he is in or how he will relate to us or whether or not he will listen to us or whether or not he will care when we go to him. We don't need to beat ourselves up or wear ourselves down trying to win, earn, or impress him. He is always faithful, always true, always reliable, always in control of everything all the time. And as you grow to know him and experience him, you begin to see quickly and clearly that our God is one of justice and he cares to see justice in his creation. We see it in verse 7. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. He opens the eyes of the blind. Charles Spurgeon once said, Our king surpasses all earthly princes because he pays no deference to rank or wealth. He is the friend of the downtrodden, the avenger of the persecuted, and the champion of the helpless. Our God brings relief and rest. We've talked about it as we studied 1 Peter. God is not on our timeline. His timing and ways are better and perfect in comparison to ours. We see in verse 7, it says, he executes justice for the oppressed. Right here, this is the word of God, the living powerful, almighty, creator of all existence, right here makes a promise that says he will execute justice for the oppressed. Justice will be had. Justice in relation to God is God re- is restoring things. It's righting what is wrong, making whole what has been broken and made incomplete by sin. Our God will bring justice. That's a promise he has made. Now the when and the how, that's up to God. Sometimes we get to see it in bits and pieces here and now. Sometimes it takes time. There are some places where it won't happen until Christ returns, but the promise is there, and he is faithful to keep his promises. No matter the injustice, no matter the darkness, our God is just and light and will expel the darkness once and for all. He is the God who gives food to the hungry, Multiple times when you read the Gospels, you see Jesus, not only is he teaching the good news, not only is he healing people, but he cares about physical needs, right? The feeding of the 5,000. He takes some loaves of bread and some fish and he feeds 5,000 plus people and he preaches to them the good news of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. God cares about, yes, our spiritual well-being and our spiritual health, but he cares about our physical health too. He cares that... You need food and drink. He cares about your physical needs and he will feed you both spiritually and physically. And when he feeds you spiritually, when he gets nourished by the word of God, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. It's that fresh from the oven, that sweet aroma, that kind of bread where you take a bite and just a taste isn't enough. You need more, you want more. Once you've had some, you can't stop. And yes, the bread of life will fill you and nourish you, but it will also lead you to want more and more of him. He sets the prisoners free. He opens the eyes of the blind. Jesus came to set us free. While there were many in his day that wanted the Messiah, wanted Jesus himself to lead this revolution against Rome, they wanted him to be this political authority who was going to set Israel free from the bondage of slavery to Rome. And just because he didn't do that doesn't mean God liked or wanted his people to be subjects to Rome. God, nor the Bible, condones the abuse and mistreatment of any person, people, or group. And in time, God's perfect timing, not our timing, Rome lost its power over God's people. Because nothing, no matter how dark and evil and powerful it looks, can last. No, you see, Jesus came not to just set Israel free. Jesus had much bigger plans in store, much heavier chains to break. He came to break the chains of sin and death and hell, to free us from slavery we were trapped in, to set us spiritually free, to lift us up, to call us to himself. And he does that by God entering into humanity, stepping in and walking the earth, the very creation that he made, he enters into and lives a perfect, sinless, spotless life and allows himself, it was, his life was not taken from him, he allowed himself to be beaten, and arrested, and executed. And on that day, on that cross, he dies, and he pays the penalty, the punishment that our sin, my sin, your sin, every sin ever committed, deserves. So that we might find new hope, and new life. Even though Christ died on that Friday and he goes into the tomb and it's literal darkness and it looks like the bad guys have won, that third day Christ emerges from the tomb. He is alive. His sacrifice had been accepted by God. And so for those who would put their faith in Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of their sins, there is restoration here and now. There is grace and forgiveness and hope and new life here and now. See, our God sees those who needed help. He saw us in our sin and knew that we couldn't do this on our own and so he sent Christ to save us and set us free. That's the kind of God that we have. Our God sees those who need help, who need restoring, who need protection and care. And he doesn't just sit idly by as an observer. He is intimately involved in seeing the restoration, protection, and care come to fruition. The sojourner, the alien, the stranger the immigrant the one who finds themselves in a place that is not their home god cares for them the widows the fatherless the weakest among us those who society writes off those who society casts off those who society deem a burden a nuisance an afterthought they are created in the image and likeness of god they have worth and value and importance to god he will not cast them aside He loves them and cares for them. And at times he invites those who are stronger than them, those who have an abundance. Let me tell you, if you're living in America right now in comparison to the rest of the world, you have abundance. He calls those who are stronger and have abundance to be part of the care and love and protection of those who need it. The prophet Micah tells us in Micah 6, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Do justice love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. God allows us to be part of his work here on earth. He doesn't need us to get the job done, but he invites us to be part of his grace toward us. He invites us to be part of what he is doing in this world, and in doing that, and us stepping in to be the hands and feet of Christ. It's a reminder and declaration to the world of his power and control because he can use us. Though we are flawed and finite, the perfect eternal God can use us to further his glory, proving that he is in complete control, that he can take us fragile and broken and do something awesome. Because the truth is we don't get it right all the time. We screw up, we sin, we fall short. And yet the gospel hasn't stopped progressing. The church is still standing. The name of God is still being proclaimed because he is in control of all things all the time. And part of his sovereignty, part of him being the just judge is that while there is grace and mercy to be had through faith in Jesus, there will also be those who refuse those gifts and instead choose their way over God's way. And for those, for those who reject the grace and mercy offered to them, the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The way of the wicked God brings to ruin. God tears it down. What's done in darkness will always be brought to the light. If you this morning are pursuing wickedness, pursuing evil, pursuing some secret sin, and you think that you are getting away with it, You think, you know what, it's not hurting anybody, it's just about me. You think, I have it contained, it's not controlling me. I promise you, just because you haven't been dealt with yet, doesn't mean it's not coming. God will have his justice. God will bring the ways of the wicked to ruin. And even if you make it all the way through your life, clinging and engaging to your wickedness, know that on that day you will stand before God himself and give an account of your life. You will stand before the Almighty Creator, the holy, righteous King, and be judged for the life you have led. And if you stand before Him on your own, without the blood of Christ, without the grace and mercy and forgiveness found through faith in Jesus, you stand before Him lacking perfect righteousness, and you will stand before Him condemned. Right now, today, in this moment, God's offering you a way out. God's offering you grace, God's offering you forgiveness. If you will confess your sins, repent. That word literally means turn the other way and go in opposite direction. Leave that life behind. Seek the forgiveness and grace and mercy that God is offering you. Turn away from that life and leave it before it ruins you and instead accept the abundant life Jesus brought for you, bought for you in his death and resurrection. Let today be that day. Let that day be that day of salvation for some. Let that day be that day you let go of that darkness and wickedness and you walk in the light. The psalmist close out this song similar to how he started it. Declaring the greatness of God declaring that he will reign forever and nothing and no one can get in his way. The Lord will reign forever. Fact. I said today is about recalibrating. It's my prayer and hope that we would be able to, by God's grace, just slow down and recalibrate ourselves to being a people marked by love and trust in the Lord. That we would be a people who set our hope on him I'm the one who will never fade or falter, the one who will reign forever and ever throughout all generations. Because this God who is worthy to be praised, who is deserving of our praise, who is altogether holy and sovereign and good, may we, as long as we live with our hearts still beating, may we praise the Lord. May we wake up and realize that to put our hope in anything other than the one true God is foolishness. May we be a people who trust the God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth chances and ninth chances and tenth chances. May we be a people who trust in the God, who takes us, who are flawed, sinful, helpless and hopeless, and restores and strengthens and empowers us to be part of the work he is doing in this world. May we hope in the creator of all existence. May we call on the one who is faithful and true. May we be people who praise the God of justice and then pursue seeing justice happen ourselves. May we ground and root our hope in the God who gives the the one who rescues, the one who heals, the one who lifts up, the one who loves, the one who protects, the one who upholds, the one who judges. That's our God. May we be a people the people of God who realize and recognize and pass on this knowledge and understanding of who God is to future generations so that they too may cry out as we do today, standing in the grace and mercy and power of God, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let's pray. God, you are good. There is none like you. God, we know that we are only scratching the surface, just scratching the, the very tip of understanding who you are. And even though we know you to be just, we know there is much more of your justice that we can come to know and learn, that we know that you are loving and gracious and merciful and all of these things. We know that whatever it is that we have experienced of that, There's more to be experienced. There is a depth and width and height of your character that we still can pursue, that we can still come to know and experience. God, let that reality keep us from being complacent, keep us from getting lazy, Let that reality drive us toward you. Find our hope in you. Find our reality in you. Find our satisfaction in you. To be a people who resolve to be focused on you and your glory. God, this year has been hard. And we're tired. And you know that. You're paying attention. You've seen this all the way through. God, we have had so many different things stripped away from us. We've had so many of our idols revealed to us, things that we didn't even realize were idols. Lord, I pray that we would see 2020 not as a wasted year, but a time where we are able to realign, recalibrate ourselves, our hearts, our minds, Toward you. And God, we realize that just because we are faithful to you, just because we have put our faith in Christ, just because we are Christians, it doesn't mean that we get excluded from the hardship. We get excluded from the pain and the trials. But what it does mean is that you are there to walk with us, that you are there to comfort us, that you are there to be with us, to strengthen us, and to bring us through the other end stronger in our faith even more reliant on you. God, you are so good. And when we sit and we think about it, when I sit and think about it and just dwell on who you are, it doesn't make any kind of sense that I would find, try and find satisfaction, that I would try and find my identity anywhere else. What's the point? Why would we go anywhere else? You have the words of life. God, let us never forget. Let us be perpetually rediscovering the good news of the gospel. The good news of hope and love and justice. And let us, when we remember just how good and awesome you are, let that move us to be stepping into the moments you have set up for us. Let us, let that move us to pursue you, even in the way that we are friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors, that we would be lights in this world to reflect the goodness of you. It's not our goodness, we just reflect it to the world. You're the sun, we're the moon. Help us to shine brightly. Help us to do as the prophet Micah says, to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with you until you call us home. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Amen.